Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cue the music. We need NFL... Music. That's that's what I want, Steve. <laughs> One day on a Friday for the I don't know the football Friday that we created. Waiting that's, all weekend for Sunday afternoon. Yeah, something like that. Uh, back in the day on our morning show uh, that has since been picked up by everyone. Um, I I think it would be it would be just a welcome addition. Yeah. We got him too. Um, listen, it's Bucks at Minnesota. The Vikings, it's going to be week one of the National Football League is here. We have waited the long national nightmare known as preseason is over. These games count. Um, we're going to talk about the Bucks, And even more important, what a treat today for you folks. We do this for you. You get to hear my interview, which in, in, in the words of Jim Rowe, what a great interview by me uh, with Rack Baker em. Mayfield. Yeah, Rack exactly. Rack them. With Baker Mayfield, just myself, moi, and Baker Mayfield, we sat down a couple weeks ago, actually, uh, for about a half hour, and I'm telling you, you will learn a lot about this guy. Um, I think most people are familiar with his story, you know, being kind of a late bloomer and winds up walking on at Texas Tech and Oklahoma, wins a Heisman, all of that, goes to Cleveland. Um, what's really interesting and I use this in my story. If you check it out on Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com, I think it's dropping Friday morning, this morning, is what he says in my story from the outset about the perceptions of this season and of him. And it plays right into that giant chip that has been on his shoulder since the time he was a kid. Um, really interesting stuff from Baker Mayfield about his journey, which has not been one that he would have scripted or necessarily wanted, but one that he has survived. And, of course, that continues. But he really believes, and, and there is reason to believe, that this is his best last chance because this organization has won a Super Bowl. There are pieces here still. And more importantly, it's not a dysfunctional building. It's it's not what he's experienced in Cleveland, and then, of course, Carolina. Five games into that season, they fire the head coach. They trade Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Robbie Anderson, their best receiver, goes. You know, then the last five weeks, he's basically picked up off you know waivers from the L.A. Rams, and he winds up starting there after only two days and winning a game against the Raiders. So much about Baker Mayfield uh, and his background, and also just his thoughts about this year and the Buccaneers season. Really fascinating stuff. You'll hear that interview in just a minute. We had some uh, some opportunity to finally talk to Mike Evans. You know, Mike Evans really sort of stayed away from the spotlight in terms of, you know, the, we, look, they ran a lot of people up to the podium during training camp in the preseason. Mike was not one of them. And, and for good reason, I suppose, because he was trying to have his agent negotiate a new deal for him with the Buccaneers. And I, I think he felt like, you know, I'm going to be cornered because these talks are going on and, 
you know, there's not much for me to say about that. And I just assume, you know, maybe not do a whole lot media wise. And so he didn't. Uh, And then yet now we start the regular season and Mike always has a day where he normally makes himself available. And that that day was Thursday. And I'll give him this. He he wasn't ducking anything. Um, You know, there is a Saturday deadline set by his agent, Derek Gilmore, for when Mike needs, wants, requires a new contract. And if he doesn't have one, it's the or what, right? Well, the or what, I I think, became pretty clear that he's not going to negotiate with the Buccaneers the rest of this year. Does that mean he wouldn't do it in that period between, you know, January and March when, when the new league year starts? I don't think you ever say never. You know, I mean, it just it stands to reason that if, if both sides wanted to do something at that time, they could still do it. But I got the real sense that he's, he's understanding of both the Buck situation and his own and fully accepting that this could be, and probably is, quite frankly, his last year in Tampa Bay. And it's sad and it's all those things, right? But Mike is level-headed about it. Um, and, you know, if, if you go to the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com, you, you read the interview, um, you know, he's, he's just very noncommittal about, like he was asked, would he still consider returning the Bucks if, if nothing's reached by Saturday? And he just said, you know, ownership and management are going to do what they feel is best for the team's future, and I'm going to do what's best for my future. And right now, that's just playing some good ball. You can't really force the Bucks to give him a contract, and they've been talking for more than a year. If it hasn't happened now, I don't think you get your best deal when you, you know, insist, if you will, uh, that a team sign you by, by you know, the eve of, of the first game. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of emotion to this because of course Mike has spent his whole career here. He's invested a lot in this team been sacrificed a lot. And, you know, and so you would think that there's that attachment, but it was that he was also asked if it was hard for him to think that, you know, going into this year, like this could be it. You know who else went through this? Tom Brady, Tom Brady became a guy that was in his last year of his contract with New England, and he has since said, I knew when the season started I was leaving New England, that that was my last year. I knew it because I didn't have a contract and sort of orchestrated it that way. If they weren't going to give him a long-term deal, he wanted to be a free agent. So he knew that it wasn't going to happen back in in New England, uh, but he played that last season, and they lost in the playoffs. He had the pick six against Tennessee, and then he comes to Tampa Bay, and the rest is history. So when, when Evans was asked is it hard for him to think that this is it? Because, you know, something like that can really weigh on your mind. You can get sort of melancholy and sentimental and all those things. Uh, and and quite frankly, a little, little ticked off about it. And he said, no, nah, not really. Like I said, I'm a blessed man. I've been blessed to play this game for a really long time. I've made a lot of plays, made a lot of money. It's not even about that. I'm just happy to be in this position I'm in. That's the thing that Mike has that a lot of players don't is gratitude. Um, if you know about his story, if you know about him growing up, uh, in a family where domestic, there was domestic abuse, um, his mother was very young when she had him and his sister. Eventually, uh, when he was, I think nine years old, of course, his uncle, his mother's brother wound up shooting and killing his father. 
and then went to prison. Uh, there's just a whole lot of things that occurred to Mike early in his life. For him to have come through all of that in Galveston, Texas, and make it to Texas A&M, and then be a first-round pick in the NFL and play 10 seasons, this is his 10th season, set an NFL record with nine 1,000-yard receiving seasons, those are things that he does not take for granted, not any of it. And, oh, by the way, this won't surprise you maybe, Steve. Did you know Mike has made $110,362,300 that's the most of any player in team history. Wow. 110 million. Well, I mean, get you think deal. about it. I mean, outside of Tom Brady coming back for that third year, yeah. no quarterback has ever signed a second contract here. That is correct. And that's generally your most expensive position. And Tom Brady might be second on that list or very high, very, very close to top. Because he probably averaged around twenty-five to thirty million dollars mm-hmm. for the three years he was here. I I haven't checked this out yet. I would suspect. Again, I haven't checked it. Gerald McCoy probably has made a good bit of money. I was going to well. say he might be. But it's not more than Mike. But he could be a he could be approaching or or up to a hundred million. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But you know, Gerald was in that two thousand ten class, the last class where rookies got like fifty million dollars guaranteed back in the day before they had the rookie salary pool. Um, um let's see in his career he, he made 110 110 million 113,033 dollars from the Bucks. Yeah, just $200,000 less than Mike. Mm-hmm. Where Mike is right now. Yeah. In his career he made 122 million, but Yeah, he went on He's done with the Panthers and the Cowboys yeah, and the Dallas. Raiders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's incredible. Um so he is, he's very grateful. And, you know, he's like, look, he just set a deadline. And, you know, if the deal's done or not, I'm okay either way. You know, I'm just looking looking ahead to having a great season. And, and that's refreshing because you see players will hold out. You see players not come to camp or come to camp late or have a sit-in uh, where they're at camp not getting fined but not practicing. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different stances he could take but all he has done is prepare himself and he's had arguably one of his better uh, i've seen every one of these he's had one of his better training camps this year you know his his body is lean he's done things nutritionally to keep himself in better shape um he's a guy that used to struggle a lot with his hamstrings and whatnot um but he's worked really hard and looks good and i don't think there's any drop off between last year to this year and probably for the last couple years so he has something, a chance to do something very few players ever do, which is sign three, you know, uh, or two deals as an unrestricted free agent. Um, that's that's really saying something. But uh, I think he's really excited about. In fact, I know he is about this season. And and before we get to Baker Mayfield, um, let me just say this that that. I don't know what to expect, and I don't think a lot of people know exactly what to expect beginning Sunday. I, I think if you look at just look at Sunday and try to make it a, a, an assessment of this team's future, you're probably making a mistake because I can remember Tom Brady, clear as day, no fans going into New Orleans, got off to a great start. First time they had the ball that went 85 yards. He spiked it in the end zone. He scored on a sneak. 
And they wound up losing that game fairly handily, and he didn't play well. He had a couple interceptions. That's when Bruce called him out, and New England lost their minds, and how dare he call out the GOAT and all that. Um, and, you know, they struggled. I mean, they were 7-5. and five. Uh, And then, then things started to turn around, and, of course, they won eight in a row in the Super Bowl. I think that this is one of their tougher games for a lot of reasons. Um, they've not been together as a team in a game that mattered. And in fact, very few of them played in the preseason together. And Baker only played a little bit in the two games we saw him. So when you go into U.S. Bank Stadium, which is one of the loudest venues in the NFL, it's a gorgeous building, and they have those what is now kind of an iconic uh, skull chant and all that's going on up there. Uh, yeah, the, the exactly the horn exactly. Um, the old Metrodome, I think, was louder, but this place is loud. And there will be the natural excitement of opening day and all of that. And Kirk Cousins has been there for a while. I mean, the, you know, he's got sweat equity with, with Jefferson, with different players. Um, and, and they have a good offense. Their defense is kind of being rebuilt a little bit and needed to be. Uh, but this is going to be a tough opener. And I'm not sure... Because what happens is, you know, you have to see, I always look at this, how do they function? In other words, operationally, right? In the noise, in the moment, uh, can people hear Baker? Is he making the right long line calls? Do they have false starts? Uh, do they, they have trouble lining up illegal formations? Like those basic things where you have to manage the game, you know, just the game can't get too big in those in those moments. And I think there's going to be some some hiccups early on. You know, nothing's going to go really very perfect. Um, and that's somewhat to be expected. But this is going to be a tough game for them. Now, on the macro, on the bigger side of things, um, I, I think they have a chance to be okay. And when I say okay, way better than what I think a lot of these NFL prognosticators have them, some agreeing that they're the 31st worst team in the NFL and things like that. I think they're better than that. Um, will they Will they be able to, to last 17 weeks at a high level? That's where, that's where I think they fall apart because if they get guys hurt, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Devin White, um, Vita Vea, right, guys like that. The difference in this team and past teams is they got so many young guys playing and being counted on for major roles um, that, you know, when you when you keep all, a lot of your draft picks or most of your draft picks and then you sign six undrafted free agents and you've got, you know, 20-something new players. The problem is is that when one of those guys goes down, one of those veterans go down, you're going all the way down to a rookie. And and that's a recipe for disaster in this league. You know, you, you need guys that may not be as good as your starters but have been in the fire. Now, I think some of these young players are really good players. And everybody gets their opportunity at a, a different way and a different time. And it's sort of how you respond to it. So, if I'm right about sort of the quality of player they've they've assembled, they might be able to weather some of those. But if it hits one position group as it did 
you know, a couple of years ago in the secondary, and they were signing Richard Sherman, you know, off off the couch and stuff like that. Then they're in big trouble because they they have experienced guys, and then they have guys with no experience. And again, it's not because they're bad football players; they just don't know what they don't know. Um, and that that was that's sort of the cost of bringing all those guys back all those years to try to squeeze every last last drop out of them and hope you can get back to a Super Bowl. I, I have doubts about Rashad White. You know, he's not been in this role before uh, in the in the National Football League. He's only started about six or seven games. He's got one 100-yard game, and it was impressive against Dave Canales in Seattle. But now he, he's going to be an enormous focal point of this offense. They're going to run it more. They're going to throw it to him more. Um, and so, you know, he's got to step up. And then defensively, I think they're going to be better than most people realize. Um, now, Kalijah Kansi is a big piece of this. He practiced on Thursday. If he's able to go Friday, I think there's a chance he plays. I think he'll be on a pitch count. I don't, I don't know that you want to play him when he hasn't really done anything and, and certainly hadn't played any preseason games or been in pads. So you probably want to be careful so you don't lose him. He had the calf strain. And immediately when he did it, two or three days into camp, they said, we're shutting him down. We're shutting him down because all we care about is Minnesota September 10th. And they did that, and they got him back. Um, how much of him is back kind of remains to be seen, you know. But if he's able to go, the other question mark is, okay, what is Shaq Barrett going to give you this year coming off an Achilles? Is, does he still have that explosive first step? Is Joe Tryon Shoenka going to do what – Todd Bowles has commanded him to do was take take a step up, you know, four and a half sacks the last each of the last two years. You've got to do better. You've got to, you know, increase that. You got to finish your pass rush at the top of the pass rush, and he needs to do that. Like their corners, like one safety in Antoine Winfield Jr. who's been kind of nicked up a little bit. Uh, Logan Ryan seems like a good addition. So, as a starting group, they're pretty formidable. I I, I think they're a decent defense. Are they? The San Francisco 49ers? No, they're not. But but they're good enough to win this division. It's just that they may have to carry the day until that offense can kind of find its 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 legs and figure out you know just exactly how they're going to play. And once they do that, um, you know Tom Brady has always said this: you got to find ways to win games early on while you're still figuring it out, while you're still trying to get better. Like, you just got to find a way to win those games, or as many of them as you can. And then at some point, you hit on your identity and everybody's able to move forward. But I I think they're going to be better than what other people think. Does that mean that they're winning the NFC South? I don't know that. Um, I don't think this division's great, that's for sure. I think, you know, you got a rookie quarterback in, in Bryce Young who could be the MVP or, the, or, or not the MVP, but could be, that would be something, could be an NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, NFC Offensive Rookie of the Year. If he does that, Carolina has a chance. Um, you know, I, I think New Orleans is the is the favorite because of their quarterback, Derek Carr, because they have continuity a little bit in coaching and uh, a very veteran team that still has really good players on both sides of the ball. And then Atlanta seems to be everybody's darling pick for the NFC South. For some reason, people have fallen in love with with, uh, with the Falcons and Desmond Ritter. I'm not there yet. I don't think their defense is there yet. 
but they're all going to be competitive. They're all going to knock each other off. And so, you know, no one's really picking the Bucks to defend their title. I think they have a really good chance of doing it. Now, if they do it, I don't think, you know, the ceiling on this team feels to me like nine or ten wins, the absolute ceiling. Uh, and, of course, the floor could be anything from, you know, three and up. But I think they're going to be closer to the ceiling than the floor. And if they are, that means Dave Canales was a great hire and probably won't be here very long because he'll be a head coaching candidate next year. And that, and that Todd Bowles has saved his job. And I think this is, as we you listen to my interview, if you haven't, go back and listen to uh, our interview with Todd Bowles the other day. Um he too knows what he's up against and it's, it's difficult, but he's got his staff into place. He's made changes. He's held people accountable. And now it's just a matter of going out there and, and uh, doing what they've all been practicing all these months. So I'm looking forward started. Look, it's nothing like opening day. I'll get goosebumps. I've done this so long. And yet when that national anthem starts playing and you realize, you know, this is the start of a, of a 17 week regular season. It's really cool. Everybody has a chance. Speaking of chances, <laughs> we can get to the Detroit Lions over the Kansas City Chiefs in just a minute. Um, and then, of course, Baker Mayfield, my interview with him is coming up. But first, you guys already know it's hurricane season because there's one out there now, about a Cat 5. My son's supposed to take a cruise to the Bahamas. I hope they cancel that soon. But nonetheless, uh, the good news here is that you can keep your power on without breaking the bank, and that's important. Uh, you can do that with solar battery backup power. There is no fuel cost to run it, no loud generator noise, no annual maintenance costs, and May Electric Solar, our sponsors, offers you a 15-year warranty on their solar battery backup. Plus, solar battery backup saves you hundreds of dollars each month. If you lose power, a generator can cost you over $2,000 a week just to run. Solar battery systems qualify also for a 30% tax credit for the new systems or for adding a battery to your existing M-Phase solar system. So to trust the pros in solar and you want to learn more about it, call the May Electric Solar and ask them about the solar battery backup. Or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or you can also visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, had a chance to sit down with Baker Mayfield for uh, a little over 20, 25, 30 minutes, something like that. Talked about everything, man, and pay close attention uh, to what he says is the outside narrative of this season. <laughs> it's a fantastic quote uh, and a really likable guy and fun to talk to and very, very honest um, to, a, you know, to a fault, self-deprecating at times. Uh, but also very aware of the challenge that he faces and how important this is to him, to his career, and to his teammates, and how strategically and deliberate he is about everything he has done since he has come to Tampa Bay. It is not by accident. Also talks about his his wife and how much she has meant to him through this journey. Just a really good, insightful uh, chance to visit with Baker Mayfield, the new starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, your story, I think we're all kind of familiar with it. But first and foremost, like, I don't know how many systems you've learned. I mean, you went out to L.A. and learned enough to play in two days, which mm-hmm. is remarkable. But, like, this this sort of lesson of football terminology, how do you keep it straight? How, how are you able to, to kind of manage that mentally? And, and yeah. I know there are things you borrow from every system, but, yeah, absolutely. but it's been a lot. Yeah, I mean, 
You mentioned it. It's, you borrow things from different systems, uh, things that you like, especially the, the more reps you get. You get mm-hmm. to kind of see what you're comfortable with. But, um, when, it, when it comes down to it, it's just memorization of the terminology. You know, there's there are different schemes and coaches believe in a different foundation, but when it comes down to it, nobody's really reinventing the wheel. Right. Uh, it's just what you really want to specialize in, what you what your foundation should be. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, just learning in – as I say that, though, a lot of the protection schemes might have similar terms, but they teach it differently. Right. Um, and just the basis of the general knowledge is all different. So it's been it's been quite a few. I think I had – let's see. We'll go through it. I had Todd Haley, Freddie Kitchens, Kevin Stefanski. There's five there, right? Uh, yeah. Ben McAdoo in Carolina. And then uh, McVay and now Canales. So – do you like do you like look in the mirror, spit it out? Like how do you, how do you keep it? I mean, how do you? <laughs> you definitely have to verbalize it, uh, and that was something that I had to work on just coming out of college. You yeah. know, we were all signals and everything, no no huddles right. like that. So right. yeah, that that process was definitely uh, new for me. But yeah, you just verbalize it as you go through the game plan or the script for practice, and you get used to calling it. You get huh. used to uh, formationally what we're able to run in and out of it, to where you can make sense if the, the headset goes out, different things like that. Four teams since last July. Mm-hmm. You ever wake up and go, where am I this week, or, or, or what team am I playing for again? Uh, you know, I, mentally, I as soon as um, you know Cleveland decided to go with Deshaun, I knew that I wasn't going to be there. Yeah, um, it was just a matter of time. So I had already moved on at a certain point. You know, it, it, at the time wasn't happy with it, but just had to accept it and move on. Mm. Ready for the next thing. Now, when it came to Carolina to L.A., that was that was a different story. <laughs> <laughs> from the the mid season transition, uh, not exactly easy. So, yeah, um, yeah but and it was a, it was a good ending to the year, with like a five game season. Yeah, and that's what I had my sights set on. I was like, all right, let's finish this year off the best way I can. Right, put myself in good position for free agency, which is going to be great to actually pick where I want to go. <laughs> right, um, and, and just go from there. And so, uh, yeah, it's I always try and be present, be where my feet are at, and just. You know, control what I can. It's easier said than done, though, playing quarterback. Yeah, it's just a hell of a lot of change. And, I mean, for any player, much less that position, right? I mean, yeah. that's what's crazy. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Cleveland because, listen, you just rattled it off. Um, all of, If I were going to de- destroy a quarterback, I would have four or five head coaches. I'd have <laughs> five or six different coordinators. Yeah. I'm good friends with Monk, Todd Munkin because yeah. so, he was here. And, and, of course, he loves you, but Freddie was calling it at that time, you know, and all that. But, like, um what did it teach you in terms of? I mean, you were, you know, this brash number one pick coming out of yeah. Oklahoma, and 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 like, if nothing else, you must have learned. I'm running resilient, some bitch, right? Like, you must have learned <laughs> yeah. resiliency through that. Yeah, uh, luckily my kind of my my upbringing made me do that. Um, yeah, you know, I grew up in a great household, but when it came down to sports and whatnot, I was a late bloomer, so I always had to fight and work harder. Yeah, uh, to earn stuff. So, um, yeah, it just roll with the punches. And that's that's the part of controlling what you can. Mm-hmm. If you focus on the negative stuff, you're not going to be able to make uh, a positive out of the opportunity you have. Right. But there's always there's always a chance to make something out of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's there's definitely you know that was the number one pick. I'll never change that. But when you draft the number one, it's for a reason. You're not going to the best team. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, yeah, it, it just is what it is. But you know, it, it took us. I mean, our, our third year went to the playoffs, first time in a long time for them, and yeah. uh, one game turning around. Yeah, and so. Uh, yeah, it just everything happens for a reason. Got hurt the next year, tried to play through it, and uh, they decided to go a different direction. And I'm pretty damn happy I'm here now. 
Was that a mistake? I mean, and I don't know. It might have been an organizational decision, but you too, you would, you, you were just a gamer, right? You, yeah, you, yeah. You, you're always going to want to be on the field. That's who you are. Looking back, do you wish like maybe I should have taken care of my myself a little bit more there in that situation? There's always the what ifs. Yeah, um, but I, I'm a high, high competitive guy. <laughs> I want to so be, out, be there. out there. <laughs> if, if it came down to it, to where I thought that somebody else was able to do it better than me at that physical condition. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a team guy first. I would have let it happen, but I felt I was able to go well enough, and yeah. uh, it was just it made the season pretty miserable. All the rehab, the extra hours that you have to put in, to, yeah, uh, on top of the studying, so it was difficult. How much time did you spend? Golly, I mean, if I wasn't in our QB room, I was in that training room the whole time, right? Yeah. Just a couple I, hours at home, and that yeah. was been flying in uh, my physiotherapist from Arizona. Do that every week, Jesus. so we're seeing him every single week, and uh, which that's it, not out of the norm for the routine for me, but um, mm-hmm. definitely extra hours in the facility for the training stuff. You can't, none of us can go back and re, and, and take things over. You, you were a young guy and you went through what you went through and you, and you were successful pretty early on in one playoff game. But like, what would you tell yourself about, about what, what did you learn? Not just the resiliency, but like what, what along the way would you may have done differently? I, I don't know that it would have changed anything in terms of yeah. the organization. Cause there was so much change while you were there, but what did it teach you? Um, I mean, what was there things that you wish you could take back as a 22, you know, 23? Yeah, there's definitely things that I, I might have said that rubbed people the wrong way, but um, the culture needed to change. So that there had to be some harsh things said. Yeah. Uh, for things to really get turned around. Yeah. Now I, I'll never take back that because my intentions were were very pure and in the direction of yeah. trying to change the culture. Uh, but when it comes down to it, winning cures everything. That's the thing is you know, everybody comes in and says, we got to change the culture. we got to change the culture. It's not easy. But winning is the culture, right? When you exactly. win, that's how it changes. Exactly. And so you gotta, you got to lead by example. Winning also helps change the culture because guys see how it should be done. Yeah. But also at the same time, if you're not winning, something's going on behind the scenes that you got to change that. So you know you're out at Cleveland and Deshaun's coming in or whatever, and so you mentally you're like, okay, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to find another place. And you end up in Carolina – um, and you're in a competition like you've always been, mm-hmm. and you win that competition. You and Sam go at it. But then, you know, early on, you get hurt, and then they fire the coach. They get rid of your two best players. <laughs> like, they're asked, like, just take me through this, this, this sort of wild, you know, roller coaster of a, of, of a you know, amusement yeah. park that you're on right now yeah. in Carolina. Yeah, that transition was, uh, unfortunately, at the time. Everybody in the league knew that Cleveland didn't have options. They weren't going to trade. Right. They, they knew they were just going to have to release me. Yeah. So that was that was the game that, unfortunately, we had to play. Yeah. And, the uh, waiting game, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> being out in limbo the whole off season, and then showing up straight to training camp and meeting all my new teammates in Carolina. So it was <laughs> once again a fast track trying to learn the offense. And uh, but the thing I'd say about Carolina, as much as on the outside, it. it wasn't successful, absolutely not. But uh, there's a lot of drama going on. But the locker room, the guys were great. Yeah. That's what made it worth it. Yeah. So the culture in that locker room, which is, I'm interested to see how they do this year, just yeah. with new staff, new people running it. Um, but the guys are great, and so that's that's what made it worth it. Sticking it out there, and um, easily could have put my head down when they decided not to play me anymore and wanted out earlier. But yeah. it just when I got the opportunity, it, it was a mutual decision to get out, and uh, happened at the right time. You had humbling to to say I'm just going to be a good teammate and and do whatever I can to help the other guys in the room. Well, that's not you your always, that's not you been your position, be, right? Yeah, you like, always want to be the guy. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But yeah, I was going to make the most of my role. 
you know, like like I said earlier, I'm a team guy first. Mm-hmm. So my opportunity there was to be another voice for Sam or PJ, whoever was playing, mm-hmm. and voice that communication, what how they wanted it done. Yeah. Uh, and that's the quarterback room is so vital to the organization for those reasons to to have the standard and the message the same across the board um, and just support each other. And so that was an opportunity for me to to take a back seat, but also make the most of it and mm-hmm. get a good experience. And, uh, you know, I was I was blessed when I came up at, in Cleveland to have Terod Taylor and Drew Stanton be able yeah. to mentor me. Take good models behind you. Exactly. Yeah. Just to see how they did it when they weren't playing. Um, just tremendous guys to, to model that after. The Rams call. I've never seen anything like this. I, I swear, and people can turn on their TVs on Sunday night, Monday night, whatever night it was, Thursday night, and say, oh, yeah, there's a game on today. Oh, Baker's playing. Oh, he threw a couple. Like, the amount of work and and just, like, the whirlwind that you were on, I think I, I talked to Raheem Morris, another friend of mine, it's like, he loves you, but he's like, dude did it in, like, a day and a half. He's like, Ross, great, yeah. He's like, I don't. So, looking back, it's like one of the greatest things I've ever seen somebody accomplish just it, for a day. And for me... What it, did that do for... Like, that'll never go away for me. That That's maybe my favorite memory of all time. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, how quickly it happened. Yeah. I mean, the waiver wire went through at 4 o'clock Eastern. I got to L.A. at 9.30 p.m., got the facility, studied for like an hour and a half with <laughs> Zach Robinson, Liam Cohen, and, and Sean. And we just sat there talking about it, and they were like, you're on Eastern Coast time right now. <laughs> you probably need to go to bed. Yeah, so I went back and then showed up the next morning, and uh, we had a walkthrough. And uh, Thursday game schedules are different, so you're doing a Yeah, you just walked through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, never, went, never went full speed rep with anything. Yeah, we, we did a walkthrough Wednesday morning and then like five seven-on-seven seven reps. Um, and just I felt like I was studying for the SAT. Just, <laughs> just cramming, right. cramming for a test last minute. and. Um, yeah, I remember being at the facility and just like everybody's already gone. They're ready to go home the day before the game. And <laughs> McVay's, he looks at me and he's like, hey, you don't need to go down to the hotel, the team hotel by the airport tonight. Just stay here, ride with us tomorrow. They, I mean, they they made it as easy as possible <laughs> for that uh, transition. Jeez. So the next morning I woke up and rode down with Sean, his assistant, and uh, we went down there still studying, just didn't talk ball at that point. And and how their situation was at the time when I showed up was similar to, you know, mentally where I was at, where they were at. Yeah. Uh, so it just, everything aligned for, for uh, that's, you know, I said new season. I can't, that five-game stretch, Sean said that. Hey, this is a five-game stretch. He did, yeah. Let's, we're not in a good place. This is something new for you. Let's just make the most of it. And so um, that was a unbelievable opportunity that I was able to do. I, I, it still startles me, but, like, um, did you have – any audibles at all? Did he did he put anything in that like you could get to if it was just a bad play? Um, like yeah, I mean, or did you just that, have to make the best of what? He's pretty much got a an alert or a can, whatever you want to call it, on every play. Yeah. So uh, there was there was a lot of studying, and they made a wristband for me, and Sean didn't call one damn play. Off That's the what I heard. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what am I doing? Uh, here? We, we can laugh about it now. Throw it out. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, it was a lot of learning on the fly and just uh, putting the pieces together and yeah. At some point, when you're run, you're in the National Football League doing the impossible, but at some point, did you just feel like I'm just out here playing ball, man? Exactly. Like this is like back to my. my and that roots. was and that was that was the best part because I didn't have a whole lot of time to watch the Raiders. Yeah. Just learning our offense, and that's 
It's like what you do in training camp. Yeah. You learn the foundation. You learn what you're supposed to do. You go through your reads and you just deliver the ball. And uh, sometimes it works out. And and luckily we we made it happen that that game. Trust the players, not the play. Sometimes, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And they did that. Um, so you mentioned that you've been counted out many times mm-hmm. uh, to this, to that. I'm still amazed that, uh, and I've read this somewhere a couple times. So so you're. Like you're all everything in Texas, pretty much. I and mean, Texas football is like bigger than anywhere in the country, as you know. And you come out of that high school, and is it true that you had you had Florida, Atlantic, Washington State? Those are your D one options, uh, and there was another one. I had I Rice, New Mexico, and Army as well. Okay. Yeah, Rice was my first one to play baseball and football. Yeah. Um, what what position were you catcher? What you what you play? Uh, shortstop and third, okay. mostly third base. Okay. I played first my junior year because that was the only spot open. <laughs> we had all seniors and, yeah. and first baseman left. I had never played it, so I just wanted to get in the lineup. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. mostly third base. Okay. Um, so you could have gone there and played baseball and or football. Yeah, I was, and I was going to play at Texas Tech before I transferred out. Yeah. Um, but I just love football. Yeah. You know that. The baseball road is a lot harder than the football. Can one be if you can make it happen. Can so, be, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's just the high school stuff. I was a late bloomer. Yeah. Recruiting stuff, and especially nowadays, you, they recruit oh, quarterbacks so early. Right. Um, Three-star, four-star, yeah, five-star. Like, yeah. yeah. You, get, you get that star, and apparently it's people look the other way if you don't have a certain amount. But, right. Uh, but, yeah, you, was, but you weren't going to walk. I mean, I, I read about this argument that you, you and your dad had. <laughs> it was like, who are you? You know, what happened to that guy that had all the, all the confidence in the yeah, world? Yeah, it was uh, – I was either going to go to Florida Atlantic or Washington State with Leach. Yeah. And Mike would call me, and he'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to baseball practice. He's like, why the f*** are you doing that? <laughs> that sounds like and Mike. He, and he would always say, well, when are you going to come here and set every record possible? <laughs> I was like, listen, I would love to, but y'all are far from home. <laughs> yeah, way far. Um, home in Washington, yeah. Exactly. And so my, my dad was the one that brought it to my attention. Of just believe in yourself. And, and at that time, being... 17 years old, you're thinking, I deserve a scholarship. I yeah. went 25 and 2 in my high school career, got yeah. a state championship at a premier program. Right. Um, I know what I'm doing. I'm competitive. I know I can play at the next level. But he he, he hit me in a tough spot. I, <laughs> I was not happy, but I accepted the fact that I needed to walk on. And financially at the time, walking on in-state was the best decision. Um, so yeah. went to Texas Tech, and there was a few familiar faces. Cliff was at A&M. He recruited me at when he was at Houston right before that. Okay. And then uh, the offensive coordinator he brought in was at Washington State with Leach, and so he went to Texas Tech. And so it was just familiar faces, in-state tuition. Yeah. It was the best thing possible. And got there in July and won the job, second week of training camp, and started the first few games. And then uh, one of those other things, you know, their different plan happened. And yeah, so, yeah. And I, I grew up an Oklahoma fan, so that transition was a lot easier. Uh, and I had applied out of high school, was accepted, so that was why I was able to leave in December, enroll in the spring. You're right away, yeah. Um, but they had blocked my transfer, so I was just living in the dorms, doing normal classes. How stupid does that sound now? Right? Rec- oh my god! <laughs> With that, that, that would have never happened. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, you, but you it probably was, helped make the uh, the new college football rules. Yeah, <laughs> for the walk-ons yeah. at that time, they did they did change a few rules, but yeah. yeah. Just, Another thing where I made the most of my opportunity, working out at the rec center, played intramural sports, enjoyed it until I got a NCAA notification that I could participate in team meetings if I was on the team and just showed up to a 
at team dinner, introduced myself to Bob Stoops, and told him I'd love an opportunity to play. But you're always, again, you're the new guy. Yep. And, and, and I, so, this is not about me ever, but I, I played college baseball, and I went to Arkansas State my last two years, and I found it so hard to integrate into a team that's already kind of together. In the like, And here you are. They know who you are. Yeah. And yet somebody has that job, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got friends. And, mm-hmm. and like, these are 18 to 22-year-olds. Yeah. So you've, have you always been that guy that just like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right in here and, and integrate myself with these teammates? And Yeah, I've always made it very intentional to get to know the people. Yeah. Um, and you can also do that by just being yourself. Right. You let them know that, listen, I know I'm flawed. I know I'm not perfect. I'm going to be who I am, but I'm going to support you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to work hard with you. And, and that's, to me, that's the easiest way to get people's respect and trust. And, yeah. Um, just, you, you go through the battles with them. You, you don't put yourself in, in a victim category. You, you say you're a part of it and you, you want to go make it happen. Uh, when you came here, I don't think it was very long. You're at a lightning game and <laughs> you've got a trail of guys, Tristan Wirfs, and, and you're walking in the suites and they're following you. Uh, there's a metaphor there somewhere, but like, you you figured out who your left tackle was pretty quickly, and and, and other guys. Damn good player. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, you could be friends with that guy. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, you, you uh, always had a special relationship with the linemen. Yeah, they, they go through the uh, the hardest parts, don't get any recognition, and and it's the best. They're always the most sensitive and the easiest to mess with. So yeah. it's always a fun relationship to to see how they they tick and uh, just to have fun with them. Behind you, uh, every step of the way has been Emily. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she has to go through everything with no control over <laughs> any of the outcomes, right? Like yeah. and that has to be uh, uh, for all our spouses. That, you know, uh, I was talking to Tom Moore, and he talked about his life, and he's been in football for forty-five fucking years. And yeah. he goes, "You know what? It's not fifty-fifty; it's eighty-twenty. Oh, you know what I mean? And if yeah. you're lucky, right? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, what has this woman been to you? What is she like to have to have? gone through all yeah. these steps i mean to say everything is an understatement yeah um considering i mean she's she's four years older than me yeah um she was already living in los angeles had a stable job her <laughs> siblings were out there i came in and uprooted her whole life <laughs> yeah, right. to, to now this unknown situation we don't know where we're going to be um i mean she's just been a trooper the whole time but completely supportive um and just you know, obviously my, my ride or die, but uh, <laughs> just rolling with every punch yeah. and been supportive the whole way. And, yeah, I would not have been able to do anything right. the past five years without her. One of the things you did, which I don't think, I mean, people, everybody I talk to is, is amazed by, you know, and, and maybe it hurt you, I don't know, because you were having success, but the commercials, the acting, <laughs> and her involved with it as well. Yeah. How much fun was that? And are you just natural when the lights come on because that's not so you know there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that yeah. you know when you're on a set that's not not something you're used to yeah it was uh that process was fun so we progressive had come and they did their pitch and i had met with them and my marketing manager as well and we had a meeting emily wasn't there yeah and we talked about what they wanted to do with this and it's a great idea they were like well, do you think we could get emily on it and i said she's not going to want to be on camera mm-hmm. but if you present it as if she's going to do like some background voice or like her hand can be in a shot mm-hmm. she'll take the bait so we tricked her into saying that and the next thing you know she's in like five of them <laughs> <laughs> right on camera yeah uh but yeah it's those we film them for two days they're yeah. long they're long days but, yeah um you just knock it out and in, in the summer and uh, then you, you get to see what 
what they're good at, their creative team, what they're able to put together, the ideas and everything, and it's it's always fun. So it, it, my friends, family would always ask, like, what y'all film? Like, wouldn't tell them, just let it be a surprise. <laughs> and so it, it's always fun to keep them guessing. But, uh, yeah, it was – I don't know why it was natural for me, uh, probably because it was just supposed to be us being normal people living at home. Right, uh, right. And, and all the – BS that comes with it. All the, all the wasn't annoying. too far from the exactly. truth, right? Yeah, <laughs> like some it, of it. It's supposed to hit close to home. It's <laughs> yeah. supposed to be realistic, and it was. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, they were a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and, and I appreciate the time. I won't keep yeah, you much longer. Um, I know there's an etiquette in football. Everybody earns their job, right? And usually guys get their job one of two ways. Somebody gets hurt, or you take a rep, you know, and that's, you know, from youth league on. And I get it in, here in Tampa, right? They bring you in, they got Kyle Trask, whatever. But, and I've talked, and I've said this to Dave Canales, it's like, yeah, but no matter what happens, starting quarterback when he gets to Minnesota will have taken half the reps. Mm-hmm. Is what it is, right? Yeah. How, how, t- how, how, you've been in these things before, but like, is it difficult? Is it okay because you're all learning the same offense at the same time? There's no incumbent, like, just, how have you navigated what yeah. seems from the outside to be, you know, hey, this is kind of maddening. I wonder yeah. what it's like for them. Um, yeah, you definitely want to be in there with the ones the whole time. But luckily, being in Tampa, the receivers and skill guys have to rotate all the time. So even if you're with the one line, yeah, you might not have Evans and Garland, yeah. And so yeah. Uh, you should make the most of your opportunities when it comes to routes on air. But then that's when the communication standpoint of like, okay, even if I'm not in, making sure I'm hearing what they're giving feedback to Kyle and even John, just everybody yeah. being on the same page. And that, yeah. that goes with what you said about everybody learning the new offense. And so yeah. uh, everybody's got to be on the same page no matter who's in. We want to be the same task-driven, uh, task-oriented mind. And, and that's the game, right? I mean, yeah. one play and, and exactly. you've and got so, Trey Palmer or somebody. You know. Yeah. And, and, you know, like like we saw yesterday, unfortunately, this yeah. goes down. And so... It's it's a next man up mentality, so you have to have that same communication with everybody. Yeah. Um, are you ready for it to be over? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think everybody is. And and listen, I'm not. If I was a predicting guy, I'd say, okay, this is probably the last game. I mean, there comes a point where do you need, or does the starter need some reps with that one? Maybe even because there's only three preseason games now. There's not four. Yeah. So does it help to be on the field at least for a series, a two, a half, a score? We're okay. We're all going together now. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Um, now, when it comes down to it, skill guys and, and your your best players don't really play in the preseason anymore. So right, right. For quarterbacks, it's it's honestly like we talked about earlier about the LA stuff. Going through yeah. your process, yeah. No matter who's in there, making sure you're doing the right things, right checks, yeah. Uh, and over communicating too, and, and just yeah, it, it helps to have those game situations where you're mentally back in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's always different when you go to week one. Even if I was starting the whole camp or Kyle was starting the whole camp, you still don't get the same amount of reps you want in a game with all the different situations with you know turnovers or anything that can happen, quick transitions. And so you just have to mentally stay ready for it. Mm-hmm. Did this work out here with the Jets the other day help? Uh, Absolutely. It's To me, I, I love the joint practices. Yeah. Um, one because your guys get to go up against somebody else and not seeing the same look. You fight every play. <laughs> exactly. Like, what the hell? But it's just different competition, different schemes, and uh, it's always good for you to get live reps against other people. 
yeah. and especially the practices, they're going to do more than they will to put on tape in the games. Yeah. So you get to see different looks, uh, a little bit more exotic, and uh, just see how people handle it. You've been, uh, I'm almost done, I promise. You've been to a lot of organizations and a lot of cities, um, and it's easy to, to compliment your current boss. I know this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, these guys won a Super Bowl. Now, and Brady was the quarterback. I've heard you say, and it's true, you're not replacing Brady. But in some respects, the fact that they did accomplish some things, and and there's still plenty of players who who did that, and that culture that we talk about kind of still exists. I mean, they were division champions. I know they won it. Does that help you to come into a situation like this? Of course. And that's ultimately that's what came down to my decision of coming here was – this organization was the best one from top down, how they run it. Mm-hmm. And you can't have success um, without having it run well. Right. And so... Something you learned... Exactly. Through experience, exactly. right? Exactly. And yeah. those are the valuable lessons that you, you can't take back. And yeah. so uh, I'm grateful for those and being able to evaluate and from a from a different perspective than yeah. I might have had earlier. Yeah. But yeah, and it's... In our locker room, there's... We do have a lot of young, younger pieces now, but the key pieces that were a huge part of that Super Bowl run and the... Just the success recently yeah. are all still here, yeah. and so um, there's a different hunger yeah. because you know, unfortunately, the narrative is that Tom's gone and we suck. Uh, <laughs> but that's fortunate for us because that, that makes our guys have a different type of motivation they might have not had recently. Yeah. It, it puts them into a different level of competition and, and trying to prove uh, that that our locker room is more than capable of keeping that success. And it's not a position you're unfamiliar with being overlooked. Um, but for them, and this is not about Tom, but when you have Tom Brady, he's going to take a lot of, or if not all the oxygen, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, right? Exactly. Good or bad. What well, was good, so it had to be Tom. So you like this, you're comfortable in, in your your feet right now that, yeah. okay, count us out, count me out, count us all out together, right? I can say it with a smile on my face, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Enjoy you enjoy it because teams can start off however you want to the first six or so games, but it, it's how you you got to peak at the right time. you yeah. got to be playing well, get yeah. on the same page, and, and peak at the right time, have a, a few wins in a A little row. bit of luck and exactly. injuries. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, it's, uh, and just see how the, the pieces fall. Okay, final thing. Uh, you have your event coming up, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I think it's great that you and Emily have this foundation now. I know you've yep. kind of waited for the right time and all yeah. of that. I understand that... Um, uh, the beneficiary is going to be the Early Learning uh, Coalition of Hillsborough County. Mm-hmm. What is that? And tell me why uh, why this is a nice marriage for you right now. Yeah, um, we waited for the right time. Just to, obviously, last year was not ideal to get a foundation and, and <laughs> right. have our. You know, we the way we operate, um, Emily and I, is we want to have our our feet in the ground and actually uh, be a part of the work. Yeah. Be, be a part of the changing community, not just write a check. Yeah. Um, and so this is a good opportunity to. to just get into Tampa, mm-hmm. get rooted in it, and do it, and especially for a uh, beneficiary of something that's going to help. We're passionate about kids, and yeah. so um, helping early childhood development when it comes to learning, empowering the educators around the community as well. And so it's it's a great uh, partnership that we're going to be able to do. And we both enjoy golf, so it, it makes sense to do an event at Top Golf and. We like Caddyshack, so beat the ball. Beat the ball is <laughs> the name. Ball, yeah. A little uh, reference there, and, yeah. and just uh, to be able to give back and show the importance of um, you know you take care of the youth and, and give them the opportunity to level the playing field. And yeah. So it's 
hopefully we'll have a great turnout, and we're really looking forward to it. You were blessed. You grew up in a nice household. You had a lot of supportive parents, but you mentioned you were a late bloomer. Who knows who's out there that could get this opportunity, and they become. Exactly. And you always want to look back and and have those surreal moments of who was I looking up to, what what I thought at that time. Just the difference that you can make without even really knowing it. Uh, And that's that's the blessing of the platform that I've been given, and uh, take advantage of it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So let me ask you this, Steve. How many Lions fans, and hell, I think there was probably about 30,000 of them in Kansas City. How many of them are making plans for Las Vegas right now? For the Super Bowl in, in uh, February. Well, they've had enough years to save up the money for that. So. <laughs> That's right. Your Super Bowl fund, twenty-five cents a year. Yeah, they uh, they have a waiting list for tickets at Ford Field for the first time in the history of that stadium. That's incredible and really cool too. By the way, I mean, I remember there was a time, and it was a very small time. Um, in fact, I think Tom Moore might have been their offensive coordinator, but where. You know, the Detroit Lions had it going of the Pontiac Silverdome with, with Barry Sanders. Uh, Scott Mitchell had a really good year one time. Um, you know, the Bucks beat them in the playoffs here. Uh, it was the first home win, I think, in the playoffs in 18 years when Tony Dungy did it uh, to get them back uh, into the postseason for the first time. And that would have been, what, 1997, I think. But it's really cool to me to see this because – there's some so many good stories on that team, starting with their quarterback who was exiled. I mean, exiled. Took him to went to a Super Bowl, lost, and then it was like, yeah, you need to get your model looking butt out of L.A. and we're going to send you to um Detroit, <laughs> where you know mostly careers go to die. And he did not. He he embraced it. He got better. Um, he he's a a viable uh, quarterback now in this league. And, yeah, the Lions have just done a really nice job of drafting young players. Um, your boy from Michigan, Hutch Hutchinson, the, the uh, outside linebacker, defensive end, whatever, mm-hmm. pass rusher. And um, they look good, man. They, they, they're they going to run the ball. They know exactly who they are. Uh, they're going to play good defense. And in this case, they won a really close game. And the defense had to come up with a stop, and they did. Oh, by the way. One of the reasons why the Chiefs lost is in that final drive where they could have gone down and they only needed a field goal, a field goal to win it. Your boy, Steve, Donovan Smith, got a big holding call. Have we seen that before? Is that shocking, wasn't it? Uh, it was very shocking. And and <laughs> in looking up the highest paid Buccaneers of all time, he's fifth on the list, by the way. Wow. Now, I, I, think, money, man. I think Shaquille Barrett and Ryan Jensen will pass him this year. So he'll drop to seventh, but Donnie was good for a long time, man. Mm-hmm. He really was. He should have been a Pro Bowler long before he was. Like he, he, he. You know, other other linemen would go to the Pro Bowl, and he didn't. He was very solid, very underrated, I thought. But like all of a sudden, it's like milk. 
it just goes bad, man. He just, he, he, and it wasn't, it, it looked bad on tape, especially because what it looked as if was that it was not that he, he couldn't do it. It's just, he just kind of didn't move his feet like you needed to, right? Like he just didn't give you the effort that you thought that you needed to play in and play out. Um, and I, I was shocked, frankly, that Kansas City thought, you know, this is this is a, the best way to build this offensive line is go get Donovan Smith out of Tampa Bay. Um, and I think, you know, it showed a little bit, to be honest with you, on Thursday night. But the Chiefs, the other thing they don't have, Steve, they don't have any receivers. How about your boy, Darius Tony? Is it Tony that was dropping all those passes? Yeah, he had a rough night. My gosh. I mean rough night. And I know he missed a lot of the preseason with, what, a torn meniscus. Yeah, Kadarius was, I mean, and these were big, like these were first down throws, you know, throws that would have gotten them down the field into field goal range and such uh, all the way into the fourth quarter, bunch of them. So they, they didn't look, look, they didn't have, tra- they didn't have uh, Kelsey, which was a, a huge loss. That's, that's obviously Mahomes' security blanket and a guy he can dump it off to. Um, but yeah, man, the, uh, the Detroit Lions look like they are for real. And with Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay, we're still not sure what you're going to get from Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. And if the Vikings uh, go down to the Buccaneers on Sunday. Yeah. First place, baby. Lions would be in driver's seat. That's right. And I think the Vikings are a good football team. The Vikings were a really good football team a year ago. They are 8-1 at one point, and they finished, I think, 13-4, and I don't know, four, something like that. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I think, in his last contract year. And if you watch the Netflix series, very likable guy, very tough guy, takes a lot of hits, very prepared. So you know, with Justin Jefferson, it looks and it's going to be it's going to be a tough, tough duty. There's no doubt about that. Um, but the, but the Chiefs, I don't. I think they'll come back and and you know get in the playoffs and and uh, and whatnot it's it's but it's hard to lose that first game when you're you know putting up the banner and celebrating the Super Bowl win and you got to turn the page and again they just didn't execute I mean they had plays to be made they didn't have Kelsey and and they had drops and um you know right up to the end they had good field position with a chance to kick a field goal and win it and they just couldn't pull it off so disappointing opener for them terrific opener for the Lions who packed a lot of people in Kansas City that uh, Lion fans that went out there. It was pretty cool to see. So that was a lot of fun. Also, uh, you were at the Tampa Bay Rays game, and you hate to see a shutout. I mean, they've been good at home. They've been swinging the bats pretty good. What happened? They played Seattle, a team that they would start the playoffs with if the the proverbial playoffs started today, Um, but just couldn't get any runs across. Yeah, they lose 1-0. But let's first start with Zach Littell. Oh, yeah. Eight innings. He hadn't gone more than six this season. Mm-hmm. Eight innings just gives up five hits, one walk, and one earned run. Wow. His pitch count was extremely low, which is why he went as deep as he did. What? Uh, ended up throwing 86 pitches, 61 for strikes. That's incredible. So 86 pitches in the eight innings. Seattle was doing a lot of first pitch swinging. I know, mm-hmm. like, through six innings or so, he had, like, eight first pitch outs. Oh, wow. Which helps. But yeah, he does. was dealing tonight. And it's a shame he takes a loss in that game. Yeah. Uh, the they Rays, the Rays start, had base though. runners 
in the first few innings each time but couldn't score anything. And you just felt like they were going to scuffle the rest of the night. And and they did. They in, in the ninth they got some runners on, but they tried to steal, got thrown out. A, a weird play though for Seattle, and we t- we've talked a lot about the Rays' base running. Mm-hmm. So, is it, uh, it was Rojas is on first, pop fly into foul territory, about quarter of the way, third of the way towards home plate from third base, just a few steps into foul territory. Paredes catches it, and Rojas was almost a second. Really? It was almost like he was like, yeah, you know, he's not going to throw it this way. And Paredes nailed him at first. He got the double play on a, sh- oh a very shallow pop fly <laughs> what in foul hell? territory. I mean, he just I think he just either lost how far he was off the base or just kind of assumed that, you know, he'll catch it he and throw be it fine. Over here, yeah. Or maybe he forgot how many outs. I, I mean, that's possible, too. Wow. I mean, he went sprinting back, and, and Paredes just barely beat him. But... <laughs> But as much as we talk about the Rays' bad base running, other teams do it too. So Yeah, it happens there as well. I don't know. Seattle's one of those teams I think is impressive. Um, I and, and, and if the season ended, that's who the Rays would be playing. I don't know that I want to start postseason with those guys. If well, the good do, thing you is you'd be the home team. Yeah, you play them at home. That's the, that is the positive out of it. But Yeah, actually, uh, no. Actually, yeah, if you started now, Seattle would be the team. Toronto would face... Minnesota in the other first-round game. But the race four games back of the Orioles now. Yeah, that, that race is starting to uh, to be out of reach. I mean, you need to at least have – be back no more games than the number you play them, and then, yep. you, then asking yourself to have to sweep them in Baltimore would be tough anyway. Well, not only that, but you have to sweep them in Baltimore. Otherwise, Baltimore has the tiebreaker. Oh yeah, because they won the season series, right? Well, if or the Rays we'll sweep, if the Rays we'll sweep, they'll it. win it. If the Rays only win three of those four, the Orioles will win the season series. Yeah, that's going to be so. And hard there's to no go more game one sixty threes. If you tie, it's the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. So you almost yeah. at this unless you sweep the Orioles, you have to be a game ahead of them at the end of the year. Yeah. So it doesn't look like they're going to make it. Yeah, I mean, there's thirty one games to play. You're down four. I mean, here's the thing. Before going into uh, last night's game, they were a season high thirty games over five hundred. How the hell can you be thirty games over five hundred and still be four out in your own division? That's how good Baltimore's been. Yeah. Oh, by the way, let me correct myself. Twenty-one games to play. Twenty-one to play. Yeah, not That's 30, it. Not no. thirty-one. Twenty-one to play with down four games. Three weeks. Man. The or- the Orioles have twenty-three to play. Wow. Yeah, man, we're getting we're getting right down to it. I mean, we're you can feel the uh, October baseball is around the corner. So now it is That's what good. September eighth already. So yeah, lightning will be coming into training camp here pretty soon, and uh, training camp will open less than two weeks for the lightning. Yeah, there you go. Now, it does feel like because they weren't in the Stanley Cup that they've been off forever. <laughs> and it was the end, and if, it was in April, late April was our <laughs> so last game. Long so. time ago, man. You know. Time to start writing some stories about the Lightning. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's almost here. College football, we got a good weekend of college football coming up. Yeah, you got, what, Texas, Alabama, and then uh, Colorado, Nebraska. Those are the two big games. Uh, Miami's playing. Who's Miami's Miami got Texas got? A&M. That's right. They got A&M. Matt Baker will be there. Mm-hmm. 
That'll be a fun one. I'm just glad college football's back. I don't care. I don't really care who the matchups are. Um, Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffs are going to host Nebraska, so we'll see if they can follow up their big win at TCU against the Cornhuskers. So, yeah, some good games. And, of course, Sunday, it's the National Football League right here. Minnesota Vikings at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. I, if I, Steve, if I told you Sunday night, Bucks win, Bucks shocked the world. Who saw this coming? Baker Mayfield was amazing. Rashad White ran for 150 yards. Defense created turnovers. Everybody misread how good this Bucks team is. Would that would that shock you if that occurred? I don't know about shock. I'm not expecting the Bucks to win this weekend. <laughs> not either, but just saying. Um, you just never know, right? Like that's well, why they play the game. I mean, but. you know, let's think back a few years. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the MVP after two weeks. He was, and you know, I got a good memory of that because I can recall some folks walking by me. Uh, I won't name names, but you know, that was a game where he threw for over four hundred yards. I think his first three games, he threw for four hundred mm-hmm. yards plus plus four touchdowns, and they still barely won it because. Drew Brees was driving and stuff, and they had to get a stop at the end of the game to win it. And I remember some people walking by that, uh, let's just say they may have worked for the organization, but they were very confident in what they had just witnessed. And it was kind of like, yeah, look at that. What do you think of that? And what I thought of it at the time was, okay, easy. It's one game. And two, if you look at the defensive side of things, it was a disaster because it gave up like almost 40 points. Uh, but yeah, Fitzpatrick had his incredible run uh, and it was funny and it was entertaining. And then when James came back, anything but. Uh, so you just don't know. It's just really hard to, I think this is a team of, of like many teams that are together kind of for the first time is that give them seven weeks, give them seven, mm-hmm. seven games and you'll have a pretty good idea of where they fit. Like, it's going to be very hard to judge that. Now, you can't bury yourselves and start out 0-4. Like, if they mm-hmm. lose to Minnesota, they need they almost have to come back and in the home opener beat the Chicago Bears, which won't be easy in and of itself. Because then you have a Monday night football game against the Eagles, and they're just better, and they know it. Uh, and so that's a really difficult game. Um, and then you go to New Orleans which is your nemesis, and you're playing Derek Carr on the road in that loud Superdome. I can paint a scenario without much huff or puff that they, they start out 0-4 and have a bye week where the coaches can mull over making changes, including at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. So this, they have to get off to a good start, whether it's this game, whether it's next week. You, you can't take the donut for the first month of the season. And look, last year we kind of said the same thing. They had four tough games to start the year. But the two toughest, I thought, were the first two, and they wound up winning those. And so they were 2-0 and and then lost mm-hmm. and wound up 3-5 and at one point. It's the ultimate parity league, you do, particularly at the beginning of the season. You don't know what to expect. No. And this team, and we've talked a lot about this, how young they are, there's a lot of potential. But when you go with young players, there's also a lot of unknown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how how those young players develop this year, not only the rookies, but the second-year players in that. You know, how how much more of a step does Kate Otten take? Right. How much more of a step does Rashad White take? 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, go go through the young guys on this roster, yeah. and then then all the rookies you got playing. You know how they develop is going to determine how this season goes. And, yep. and 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 it's the unknown. I mean, it's it's kind of why we thought all along they were going to go with Baker Mayfield over Kyle Trask. There's so much of an unknown with Kyle Trask, right? You know, and as a coach, you like you like more things you know than unknown. You would prefer yeah. that, and you have a lot of unknown on this team, and but that means there's a lot of potential as well. That means there could be some young players that could could wind up being stars, mm-hmm. and and uh, that might push you over the top if you get, you know, some some big performances from some guys that maybe um, weren't here a year ago and that you're not necessarily counting on, and then all of a sudden, whether that's Trey Palmer or you know some of the young guys that they've added, mm-hmm. uh, or even if it's you, a Luke Gedeke on the offensive line. Well, absolutely, moving to right tackle and, and does really well. And absolutely, how and, does and Cody that, Mock do? And yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, Cody Mock, and mm-hmm. this will change maybe by the time you hear this podcast. But on Thursday night, they put out the injury report. He was listed, did not practice, <laughs> and he was listed as quite well, not questionable, but he was listed as having not practiced with a back injury of some kind. I'm here to tell you, offensive lineman and back, those aren't good combinations. You don't, you do not want to have anything tweaked there. And so this is going to be Mox for a start at at guard. And if he can't go, I would assume that maybe Nick Leverett, who was competing with Hainsey, might have to jump in there. But uh, you don't want to see you don't want to start to see that on your offensive line when those guys have worked together for so long. And um, you know, of course, everybody's excited about Mock and what he can bring and the attitude. You know, without Jensen and all of that, so that that's something to watch and you can you know we'll have updates on tampa bay.com uh tampa bay times uh, really all through the weekend and then, of course updating as well whether mike evans gets his deal or not and you know now it's also been told to me that if they were making progress and it got to be 1201 you know saturday morning or 1201 sunday morning like doesn't mean you just pack it up and say well that's it we're done we gave you a deal we're done but I don't sense any momentum. I don't sense any changes. Uh, and I don't frankly think that at this point the Bucks will give it, give him a deal uh, before the start of the regular season. And maybe, maybe you know, going into the offseason, we'll have to see about that. But, uh, but, but, but as far as playing goes, who knows how much he thinks about this, but I think Mike has done everything he can to prepare himself and he does want to have a great year because – if he's not going to be here, then this is his audition tape, right? This is what he's got to show teams that he can. He still has plenty in the tank for them to invest uh, $26, $27 million a year into him. So um, something to watch over the weekend. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the games, enjoy college football on Saturday, NFL on Sunday. We'll be back Monday to talk all about that and the Rays. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Richard of the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody. 